Please listen carefully. Featuring your host, William the Guru Burridge. You don't want to keep him anymore because you just you just got opportunity to pick up somebody better. If you say you want to keep somebody, in my opinion, you should have to keep that person. You shouldn't be able to trade them off because you got some of the better three rounds ahead of time. And special guest, Hacksaw himself, Sean Collins. I put out feelers. I put out feelers out there. I'll just I'll, I'll send this guy a ridiculous trade, and I'll send this guy a ridiculous trade just to see if they'll counter offer him something. And don't forget the lowest man on the totem pole, Matthew Walker. It, it could come down to they could draft a, a guy, get to the training camp, not like the way he said yes, sir, and tell him to get the hell out of town. Another episode of the Overdrive. All right, today, you know who I got with me? I got Mr. Matthew Walker, and then I got Hacksaw Collins himself, Mr. Sean Collins. And we got a special guest with us today. Um, we're gonna do a lot of talking. I ain't really crazy about this guy, but he's on the call, so we're gonna deal with him. Um, Mr. Ryan Barnes. Ryan, we're gonna let you go first. You wanna say anything to the people? Uh, hello, uh, live from Brazil. International group, Southside Overdrive, rock on. Nice. All right. All right. Sean, right. how's that baby doing? Baby's doing good, man. She's uh, she's sleeping right now, and hopefully she'll sleep for the next uh, next couple of hours while we do this live show. Uh, sleeping through the night yet? Oh yeah, she sleeps through the night unless we uh, unless we wake her up to uh, feed her. But uh, she sleeps wow, mostly lucky. through the night. I know, right? Dude, that's uh, awesome, dude. Bethany just put that picture up a few minutes ago. Your kid has probably got the prettiest eyes I've ever seen on a baby. Like I was literally like mesmerized. So. Well, well, everybody says she looks like me, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, he told me he wanted to adopt my son the other day, Sean. So watch what he tells you. <laughs> hey, he's got he's got baby fe- he's got baby fever. That's what he's got. I know, right? All right, all right, Mister Walker, how we doing? We're good, man. Um. Thanks for everybody who listened to the past couple episodes. Uh, we hope you like this one. We'll have a couple coming out this week. So, week one starts tomorrow, baby. Fever is, I've been itching all week, guys. All right, guys. Um, well, before we get started, I'm living under the weather. I've been doing a little coughing or hacking, whatever you want. I'm full of Robitussin and Sudafed and everything right now to get through this um, call. So, if y'all hear me sound a little funny, that's why. But um, today on Overdrive, we're going to go over some steals, some reaches. Um, we're gonna talk. We just had the big draft, so we're gonna talk about the overall draft and give some grades. And um, like I said, we got a guest on the call, Mr. Ryan. So by Ryan being on the call, we're gonna talk about his draft, why he's on the call. So we're gonna save that to last, because I'm sure all of us got plenty to say. Um, we're gonna interview him and let him give some of his opinion on some steals and reaches. So we're gonna start this thing on off with some steals and reaches. All right, um, Mr. Drew, Drew Brees, any word? Round seven. Yeah, um, so I was looking basically his ADP for this year for 12-man teams was somewhere around the fourth round, which is kind of high in my opinion for a quarterback. So a lot of people don't have Breeze in the same um, 
categories like Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers, but I, I put him right up there with those guys. So, in my opinion, to get Drew Brees in the seventh round was definitely one of the better steals of the draft. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. I, like, like, like Mr. Walker said, I, uh, I don't particularly like taking QBs before the, uh, before the fourth round, but uh, for him to fall all the way to the seventh, that was that was definitely a heck of a steal. Yeah, and a quick note on that: the last two seasons I've drafted Breeze. In fact, last year I kept him as a keeper, and a lot of people ragged me about it. This year I let him go. I wish I hadn't. Um, I think I was looking at the concept all wrong. I was looking at it okay, where every time Breeze throw an interception or something, I get upset. But then when I look at my quarterback I got this year, I understand why Breeze is so valuable. I, I agree. Uh, I think it was a pretty darn good steal, especially since uh, he's on a contract extension year. So I think he's really going to light it up this year. So seventh round, ADP, fourth round, it's a good steal. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Oh yeah, and the uh, <clears throat> next one we're going to talk about is uh, Jeremy Langford in the fifth round. I think that is a heck of a steal. This young man uh, in the Bears' offense, he is going to be a star. I think, uh, especially since they just acquired the uh, that guard sitting from uh, New <clears throat> Green Bay. Sign him, and he's got him and Kyle Long on one side of the ball. If he can put up 80% of what Matt Forte did, keeping him in the fifth round for future picks, not only for this year, but for future drafts, uh, he's definitely a steal in my book. Yeah, he. only thing I worry about Langford is uh, his ADP was round five, so you know Alex got Langford where he was supposed to get Langford. So when you talk about steal as far as Langford go, we're definitely talking about future seasons. If he, if he turns into a true you know, number one running back and is consistent, then obviously getting him at the fifth round in future years would be a steal. I just, the only thing that concerns me is Jordan Howard. So that's the only thing I'd keep my eye on. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's why I didn't draft Jeremy Lanford. I drafted Jordan Howard because I think by week six he's going to take over. Uh, just Jeremy Lanford's just not consistent enough for me yet. Um, he, I mean, he ran really well in Michigan State. Uh, he's shown some flashes of speed this preseason, uh, which I like, but I'm just I'm, I'm not feeling it. So I think that wasn't really a steal. I think that was just a an average pick. What about Kamar Aiken at number um, 11 pick? Um, I'll go ahead and say this might be one of my favorite picks of the draft, um, mainly because I don't think Joe Flacco gets any respect as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Um, I consider Flacco to be maybe one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, he's going to give you, you know, consistency week in and week out. And his number one receiver is Kamar Aiken. I mean, this guy's going to get probably at least 80 to 100 catches this year, and you, he got him in the 11th round. So we're talking about a number one rod receiver who has a very high floor, and, you know, his ceiling might not be as great as some of the elite wide receivers, but I think as far as an 11th round wide receiver, you can't really beat that. No, no. And, I mean, he, think about it, um, I think the reason he looked at that way is because to me, when you talk about teams in the NFL, like you said, I do agree. Flacco is a, a, a great quarterback, but for some reason, it seems like the Ravens just go under the they're they're under the radar. Nobody really talks about them. Steve Smith by himself gets more talk than the whole team, and he don't even play for them. I agree. But it's, that's, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, you just think about it last year. After Steve Smith went down, I think in like about week six or seven, for the next ten games, Aiken put together a heck of a season. I mean, he almost had 1,000 yards receiving. He had like 70-plus catches and like six six touchdowns, I think it was. 
So, and then that was just, you know, a little over half the season. So with him pretty, you know, with Steve Smith coming back, uh, you know, probably not going to be a hundred percent. Aiken's definitely going to be the uh, go-to guy for sure. I think it's a heck of a steal. Uh, well, of course I'm going to agree with this steal because <laughs> I stole him. Uh, and, uh, Sean, you made a good point. Uh, but you have to throw in there, he did this with a backup quarterback. Two backup quarterbacks. Joe oh, Flacco yeah. was hurt last year. Mm-hmm. So oh, now yeah. if Joe Flacco comes back and he's healthy, I mean, I, I'm hoping. Yeah, not a, not a bad 11-round pick. All right, I like this one here. Um, 16th pick, RG3. Well, yeah, this yeah, is... Yeah, I started yeah. off. Okay, I, go ahead. Off <laughs> I think it's a horrible <laughs> I wouldn't have drafted. I know I had a horrible draft, but I'd have never drafted him. I'm, I'm sorry. I've said it already on the podcast. I probably said it on both of them already. I think this dude's got a tag on him. Players know of him going down easy. I think he's a target. I don't think he even needs to be on a team. And um, I read that people saying he's going to do 3,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. I don't see it. Like I said, I've already predicted. I don't see him making it through the first game. I have nothing against the guy, but I just think that – you ain't played football in over a year. I just I don't see it happening, especially in Cleveland. That's the worst team he could have ever went to. And try to get somebody to have a belief factor in you. Well, I mean he's a 16th round pick, so I mean you're you're picking him for his. Hopefully he might be able to get back to his his glory days. Right I mean, about hopefully. Do what? <laughs> right about hopeful. Well, I mean, okay, if he if he can get back to how he was his rookie in the second year. I mean, and you can keep him in the 16th round. I mean, that's that's a heck of a keeper. So, I mean, body, that's a heck of a steal in my book. His body's not gonna let him get back to that. I mean, he's basically Romo's little brother. Yeah. The key thing yeah, I see about it though is uh, <laughs> is basically when it comes to keepers and with with the quarterback depth that the, that is out there, you can almost get a, a a you know a really good quarterback in the 11th round, you know, 10th, 11th round. So I guess it would depend on how your team looks going into next season, but I would find it I would find it hard to ever even use a keeper on a quarterback. But if you were to use a keeper on a quarterback and RG three was who he was his rookie year at you know Washington, then that player in the 16th round is obviously of great value. Well, uh, I wasn't thinking of him as uh, keeper aspects. I was just uh, I needed a. Well, really, a quarterback for Week Five when Russell Wilson is on a bye. So, and I, I thought, why not? Hugh Jackson. Uh, he's got Coleman. Josh Gordon's coming back. Uh, Gary Bernard. He's he's got, I think, some good talent around him. And I think uh, he does have a target on him. But I also think he has a chip on his shoulder. And I think he has a lot to prove. So, especially to do it in Cleveland, where quarterbacks go to die, would be fantastic. I agree. Uh-huh. Well, let's go ahead and move on to. Uh... Tom Brady, who whose ADP is round five, and he landed in the tenth round. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that that says it all. You saying wow, right? I mean, tenth uh, round for Tom Brady. Yes, he's out for the first uh, four games, but when he comes back, I mean, he's going to be a monster like he always is. I mean, they they throw the ball all the time unless Belichick just decides he wants his game plan to be all run, which he hardly ever does. So Tom Brady in the tenth. I mean, that's just. I mean, that's like you said. Wow, it's a, definitely a steal to me. And the thing about Tom Brady is he's got such a. I mean, he's so good, and then he comes back, and like you said, it's almost like he's got a chip on his shoulder. He could be the only person that I ever see in the NFL to sit out, you know, for four games and come back and still get forty five hundred yards. I mean, it's just this dude. 
Yeah, he'll, he'll be he'll be a top five quarterback at the end of the year. You can, you can never call him out. I mean, whatever you want to say about him, you can never call him out. No. Yeah, I, I said what I had to say with Wow. That it's just, uh, with he's just got a, a proven track record. You don't want to piss Tom Brady off because he's going to come back like a monster. So exactly, exactly. Um, so the the next two picks were sort of how the RG three were that we have on the steals. Uh, both of them were kind of uh, we were thinking future. They were steals for uh, players that you know probably would pan out better in the future. And the first one on the list is uh, Jarrett McKinnon in the twelfth uh, round, which I despise uh, Bob for getting him that round because I was getting him two picks later for uh, my handcuff. So, but I have to applaud him. That was I think that was a heck of a pick and a steal at uh, number twelve because of course AP's only got you know maybe two, maybe three good years left if that. So picking him up in the twelfth definitely for the future and even for this year maybe because you know. Vikings are going to have to run the ball a lot, so he's definitely going to get some touches this year. So, but I could definitely see him uh, as a future pick. That was a heck of a steal in the twelfth. Yeah, this is almost a guy that, no matter what your roster looks like next year, you almost have to keep McKinnon in the twelfth. At at some point, you have to find one player who you believe is going to be the next star, and get them super late, and then just keep taking them in that round every year, and then sooner or later you're going to have a star running back in the 12th round. So, I agree. Good pick. All right, Charles Sims. The only thing I was thinking here was I needed a running back and I was having a horrible draft. I'm just being honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what he was thinking. He was thinking, hey, Matt just told me to go draft Charles Sims, so I'm going to go draft Charles Sims. So, yeah. if, if he turns out to be a star and you get a starting running back in the 10th round next year, I get half your winnings next year. Yeah. Yeah, he got, he got oh, Sims okay. in the 10th. All right, well, with that said, let's move on to some reaches. This 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 looks interesting. Quarterback before the fourth round, Cam Newton in the second round. Me, myself, I, I can't – I don't know. I think that was a little bit early, but um, I don't put anything against Cam Newton because a couple years ago I, I, I've always liked Cam Newton. I'm a big Auburn fan, so I'm going to always like him. But before this year, I kept it silent. I didn't believe that Cam Newton really had the arm and the accuracy, but this year he proved me wrong. If somebody would have took him in the first round, I wouldn't have had anything to say about it. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to group all the quarterbacks into one little thing real quick. Um, so basically I was looking at some stats earlier today, and last year, like the top 17 fantasy players, I believe like 12 or 13 out of the top, you know, the top of the league were all quarterbacks. And these are these were guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, these are these are quarterbacks who finished in like the top 20 of overall fantasy last year. So this is my whole take on quarterbacks is, and it kind of opened my eyes is that if you can get Ryan Tannehill, who I believe went undrafted this year, he was a top yeah. 20 player last year. So you can that gives you the ability to then wait on quarterbacks. And it's a trend that's starting to take place year in and year out. Quarterbacks are obviously falling deeper and deeper. It even happened in our draft this year. You know, quarterbacks used to go in the first couple rounds. So that's that's my take on all these three guys that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and that, and I, I totally agree with that point. Uh, I mean, because you got people out there in Blake Bortles and, and, and Derek Carr. I mean, they finished top, top 15 at their position. I mean, you can get guys that are going to get you solid points. I mean, now, I mean, if you're committed to a guy, like if you're committed to Cameron II, you, well, you're going to get him. And, and 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 this is all 
this is all based on perception. I mean, you're going to think that if you think that guy's going to score that many points, then by all means, he's going to score that many points and he's going to be that valuable to your team. But just me personally, I, I mean, I, I'd rather get a solid running back or something like that. So for me, getting Cam in the second was a, a little bit of a reach. Uh, I agree. Uh, I had the opportunity to draft him uh, in the second, uh, and I chose not to. Uh, but, I mean, the rest of the country, I mean, his ADP, I think, was 17. So, I mean, that's right in the second round. So, I don't know. We'll see. But I like uh, Cam Newton, uh, Tom Brady, you know, when he's not suspended, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Like, those top five quarterbacks, those usually go within the first three or four rounds. Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's all a matter of perception, you know. If you think that guy's going to get a lot of points, then he's going to get a lot of, you know, then you you reach up there and you get him then. <laughs> but the, the next person we're going to talk about is also, I think he was drafted right before Cam, was Aaron Rodgers also in the in the second round. And pretty much it goes, like Matt said, it's pretty much just going to be a blanket for all, for all three of these quarterbacks that we're talking about. Uh, so, Aaron was Aaron Rodgers was in the second round, and then Russell Wilson was picked in the uh, in the third round. Now I know he started off the season. I mean, he started off the season a little slow, and he ended it on a on a, just a torrid pace of, of touchdowns and yards. Um, so if you're taking him in the third, you better hope that he continues that because if they get back to the uh, the pounded ground like they used to with Rawls and uh, uh, my boy over here Burrages or Burrages uh, Christine Michael, then uh, <laughs> then that was definitely a, a a reach for me. So, I mean, for, for me, Russell Wilson out of all three of these is definitely the mo- the biggest hit or miss guy uh, out of all of them. Yeah, I, I think the key point and that I'll, I want to try to reiterate is that, you know, once again, there was guys like Ron Tannehill and Ron Fitzpatrick who scored more fantasy points last year than, you know, some of your top running backs. So, like your David Johnsons and your Todd Gurley's and you know, all these studs that were drafting in the first round, Tannehill and Fitzpatrick scored more points than they did last year. So give me, you know, Ron Tannehill in the 13th or 14th round who's going to score more points. You're going to get more value at Tannehill in the fourth round scoring more points than a guy who's drafted in the first round. And that that's my view on, on why quarterbacks yeah. should be weighted on. So it pretty much lumps them all, all together. The... Uh... The, the next guy that we're going to talk about is uh, Josh Gordon in the six. What do y'all think about that one as a reach? Preston, how long was he suspended? I mean, people, I don't see how nobody can draft him. I mean, you don't ever know what's going to go on with him. It's, what is he out, four games? Yeah, that's terrible. That's just terrible. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So he's, have you seen it? I mean, because I was looking for it today. I couldn't find how long he was suspended anywhere. He's out, so he's out four the first four games. He hadn't played in, what, two seasons? He hasn't played since – well, he played in 2014, but it was only for a couple games. But the, his breakout yeah. season was 2013. So that's worth three years ago. Yeah. I, I, I think it's that, a reach. But that's one of the worst picks in the draft. I don't think okay. it's one of the worst picks. Uh, I have an idea of one of the worst picks. But um, <laughs> I, I think – Josh Gordon, I think his ADP, he was averaging around the ninth round. So really, sixth round, that's a reach for him. And this, picking this guy is like playing the lottery because mm-hmm. he's only suspended four games, but there's no guarantee. I mean, he's suspension prone. Yep. Like, you don't – some guys that you have to worry about is just getting hurt sometimes. This guy is like, what is he going to do next? Yeah. So to me, that, that – <laughs> 
I agree. And, and you said lottery pick kind of hits it right on the head because, but if I'm talking lottery picks, I want my 10th, 11th, 12th round picks to be lottery picks. I'm not using my sixth round pick for a lottery guy. We're talking starters exactly. here. Like your, your sixth round should be somebody that just plugs into your starting lineup right away. I mean, this is, he went over guys like Jordan Matthews, Michael Crabtree, and if you want to take a lottery pick that early, why not spend it on somebody like Michael Thomas from the Saints or, or Sterling Shepard? Like, if I'm going to do a lottery pick, I'm going to I'm going to pick somebody. I don't know. I just I don't agree with it. Who picked him again? I, I forget. Bob got him. Bob got him. Yeah. Victor Cruz in the pen. It's just, yeah, same guy. Bob Bob picked Victor Cruz in the tenth. I just feel like as his draft got into the later rounds. He started to take too many risks. I mean, we don't even know who Victor Cruz is anymore. I, he's not going to be the number two guy, which might actually benefit him because he can just slide right into that slot role like he was used to. But, and, I mean, this is one of the hardest injuries in football to come up, come to get better from. And I, I just think in the 10th round, there was guys like Rashard Matthews, Willie Sneed, Kamar Aiken. These are guys who, who are proven players, who are healthy, who are young. And, and you take a risk on Victor Cruz over guys like that, that's where my biggest issue is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, that injury is that injury is terrible to come back from. And, I mean, <clears throat> he didn't – what he's been out, what, a whole year? I'm pretty sure he, he hadn't played since 2000 uh, – Two years. 2014. Oh, well, two years then. So, exactly. I mean, he's definitely going to be rusty. I don't care what kind of shape he says he's in. He's definitely not going to be in football shape. And – uh I mean, he's just the transition back is just going to be, I think, too much for him to to be any kind of relevant uh, fantasy starter. Well, and to come back from an yeah. injury like that too is bad enough. You got Odell right there, but then you got Sterling Shepard, and he had a really good um, preseason. So, I, like like Matt said, we don't know who he is, and I don't know where he's going to fit in. That if Sterling Shepard just comes out playing good, and you know what Odell's going to do. Victor Cruz could find himself, you know, not playing much at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I, uh, I agree. I was surprised he was even drafted. Yeah, it's, it's a know. guy, even if he's at his full health, so if he's pure form, full football health, at best he's a number three wide receiver. And you're passing up guys like, once again, Willie Sneed, who's a number two, Kamar Egan, who's a number one, Richard Matthews, who's a number one. So you're you're dra- basically drafting a number three wide receiver over number ones. All right. Yeah. All right let's finish up. Future. Um, Drake Prescott. Um, I only have a couple things to say on him. Drake Prescott. Drake. I'm sorry. Yeah, who's that? I don't I don't know who that <laughs> is. Uh, nobody drafted Drake Prescott. Uh, well, you know what I meant, but I'm saying <laughs> I, my thing is I don't think he's ready. I, I, there's a lot of talk, Sean. I know you and I love affair with him and all that. So I mean, love I love him. Think he's ready. I think he's still a rookie, and I don't think he's ready. But go ahead. Uh, is, well, can I start this off? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. Uh, I I love this pick uh, because uh, out of any team besides the Patriots, this is the team I think for a rookie. That offensive line is unbelievable. You got a great rookie running back. You got Des Bryant, Jason Witten to throw to, uh, and in preseason he was lighting it up. So I, I, I think this was a good pick. I actually think he's going to do pretty pretty good this year. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily mind the pick as far as the player. My problem comes with the round and who your starting quarterback is. 
This is the same guy who owns Cam Newton. So you just spent an 11th round pick on a guy you're going to use one time this year. Because if you ever start Dak Prescott over Cam Newton, that's that's a problem in my books. And this is also, you just took Dak Prescott over Kirk Cousins, who's in a contract year, who just settled for a one-year deal because he's betting on himself. So you took him over Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, who already proved last year that he's a superstar in the making, Tyrod Taylor, and, and another guy who I think has even more upside than Dak Prescott is Brock Osweiler. Osweiler showed flashes of brilliance last year. He's in a, a young organization with great wide receiver talent. I just and Osweiler went undrafted, so you could have got Dak Prescott way later than the eleventh yeah, round. Yeah, I, I agree. Speaking of Marcus Mariota, uh, he was dropped. He was drafted, and then they dropped him, and then somebody spent a dollar to pick up Brock Osweiler. Okay, yeah, so, so back to Dak Prescott. I mean, do you think it's a good? Do you think it's a good pick at the eleventh? No. Are you saying it is or not? I think it was a terrible no. pick. I think if you were to go, if you wanted good to take pick, a reach, yeah, if you wanted to take a reach on Dak Prescott, I think he's somebody that would have been there in the 14th and 15th round. I agree. Okay. All right. With that said, we're gonna take a little break. We're right back. I'm not looking forward to this segment, but I'm on the call, so I'm going to have to listen to it. We're going to jump right into it and talk about some drafts and get some draft grades. Um, so, of course, got to start off with me. So, let's go, Matt. What you got to say? All right. Welcome, everybody. Um, so, basically, we're going to run through all the draft grades in the order of who had the worst draft, in our opinions, to who had the best draft. So, obviously, we're going to start off with the guy who took Christian... Michael in the third round. For anybody who's not in this league listening to this podcast, yes, I'm sorry to say Christian Michael went in the third round. Don't judge our league. <laughs> so, overall, I gave this is this is my problem with Will's draft, okay? So week 1, Will is having to start Charles Sims as his running back. So right out the gates, he's he's already behind in the running back department because he took Charles Sims at a value pick, but now you have a second-string running back who's going to be your starting running back for week one. Christian Michael, love the pick, hate the round. Okay, I just did a draft the other night. I got Christian Michael in the 13th round. I love the pick, hate the round. Um, Eddie Lacy, I actually love the pick. think he probably could have fell to the second, but I see what you did there with the Lacy and Amari Cooper. Your draft started off strong. I really love the first two picks. I really love Jarvis Landry in the fourth round. I feel like your two wide receivers are, are very good wide receivers. They're going to get a lot of targets, and they're going to be key guys in those offenses. I don't like the Tyler Lockett pick for one reason, because I think that this year is the year the Seahawks hit the deck. I, I think that every year, all these dominant teams, there's one year where it just everything falls apart. I think that year is this year is for the Seahawks. Overall, I think there was quite a few reaches. Um, Jared Cook in the seventh round, in my opinion, was a reach. As much as I love Jared Cook, 
Obviously, if you listen to the previous podcast, I think he's going to be a top tight end. But it's a guy that could have went much later in the draft. And then back-to-back with another tight end, Martellus Bennett, which is, I think, a really good pick once again, but could have went later in the rounds. The biggest problem with the draft was reaches. It was reach after reach after reach. So I feel like that's basically what caused your team to suffer. And overall, I'm going to give you a D plus. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I was pretty shocked when uh, Christine Michael went in the third round. Uh, and Eddie Lacy and Amari Cooper. Uh, they were good picks, but just the ADP, like a lot of uh, your players, you picked like 20, 30 or something before they were supposed to get picked. So, I mean, I give you mad props. You mm. know who you wanted. You went and got them. So, I mean, I hope it worked out for you. I mean, you could be a genius. <laughs> All right, next, um, next up, we're going to have Mr. Brandon, um, and that's going to be me. Um, overall, I think Brandon had a solid draft. Um, a couple things I looked at I didn't didn't really think worked in his favor. Um I kind of compared Brandon's draft to some other people's draft that I graded. Um, that I graded. And so that's kind of how um, I came up with this. So as far as Brandon's draft, you got Elliot first, you got Newton second. I believe in Newton, but I just don't think that Camp's going to have the year he had before, and I still think that's too early to take a quarterback. Um, you took Charles in the third round. Um, I don't know if you looked at anything on Charles. He's been injured. They don't have any timeline on when he's going to play. Um, Carolina again, you took Stewart in the fifth round. When's the last time he played a whole season 16 games? Don't know. Um, so, I mean, you took Prescott, um, at the bottom, um, rookie quarterback. Like I said, I just don't believe he's ready. Even though you got Newton up top, I don't believe Newton's going to be, you know, everything. But what if something happens and you have to fall back to him? I don't, I don't think he's ready. Um, Overall, I'm just going to say I gave you a C. I think it was a solid draft. I don't think it was anything special. I think your first two picks were the best picks of the whole draft. Uh, when it comes to starters, after you get past your, after you get past Tate, you don't really have any more starters. Um, so I gave you a C, and I'll just leave it there. Like I said, I think it was a solid draft. Uh, I'm going to say I'll give it a C-. minus. Uh, I agree it was a solid draft for him. He was uh, the second overall pick, so... Uh, after that second pick, I mean, that's a long time to wait, and a lot of the good players are gone. Uh, but the strategy, I just, I didn't see, I don't know, two or three rookies. I, so I'm going to go see minus. Cool. Next uh, next person we have up is uh, one of our newer members, uh, Mitch Kruver. Uh, he had the 10th overall pick this year. He actually opted to keep A.J. Green as his keeper in the 10th, or at the 10th overall pick which I don't think was a terrible pick um, overall because I don't feel like A.J. Green would have made it back to him in the second round. So he opted to keep him, which I think was an okay deal. And he actually started his draft off really well. Um, Green in the first, Devontae Freeman fell to him in the second, got Demarius Thomas in the third. But I think his draft started to fall apart in the fourth when he drafted Julian Edelman. He always He's always hurt, and I feel like Edelman's ceiling is not very good. Like, I just don't think he's worth a fourth-round pick when you could have got players like Jarvis Landry or Jeremy Macklin and Dante Moncrief. There was just a lot more value on the board. Um, he also ended up getting Larry Fitzgerald in the sixth, which, you know, Larry Fitzgerald had that kind of, like, 
old age breakout year last year that I think was a complete fluke. I don't think Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a quarter of the player he was last year. There's way too many good wide receivers on the Cardinals for him to make a difference. He did get Duke Johnson, who I really love this year. I think Duke Johnson could could kind of eat into Crowell's you know, carries. He really started to fall apart in the eighth round when he got Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's been going undrafted in some leagues, so that's a guy you could have waited to get way later. Um, also, he got my boy Matt Stafford in the ninth, but the, the beautiful thing about Matt Stafford is, is that's a guy that you can get in the 11th and 12th round. That's why you draft Matthew Stafford, because you're going to get a uh, uh, in my opinion, an elite quarterback in really, really late rounds. So he kind of missed the value on that pick. Um, and other than that, it just kind of kind of fell apart from there on out. But overall, I'm going to give him a C, mainly because his first few rounds, I think, could potentially carry his roster. I tend to agree, C, C-. Uh, I really agree with you on Larry Fitzgerald, though. Uh, it was a fluke year, especially uh, Michael Floyd, go Notre Dame. Uh, J.J. Nelson, I think, is going to have a breakout year. And then you got John Brown, not to mention David Johnson uh, catching out of the backfield. So, yeah, it kind of fell apart. Yeah. So the uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is uh, <clears throat> I, I, I chose uh, I pick Josh's uh, draft. He was the 12th guy, uh, 12th round pick. And uh, number one and number 12, those are, those are hard, hard spots to, uh, to navigate with the draft. But uh, I felt like he I, he did really well with his first round pick with Doug Martin and and I like the Le'Veon Bell pick as as far as the future aspect but as far as right now I felt like that kind of hurt it hurt his team as far as especially the first couple of weeks and then uh, I think he actually has pretty decent you know pretty decent running back depth but the main thing that the reason why um, I dropped him a little bit is because of his lack of uh, wide receiver depth he's got some young guys. Hilton Hilton's not a not a bad pick. He's just such a, a hit or miss every week. He's a boomer bust guy, and to pick him in the third round, I just thought that was kind of a reach a little bit. Uh, when, when you have guys like Edelman and Landry behind him, and you know, and Randall Cobb and, and people like that who you know are going to get the uh, get a bunch of targets, and uh, and then also Kelvin Benjamin, uh, I, I actually like that pick. I really do. Um, then he had Spitzer Ware in the fifth round, which I think he's only going to play as long as Jamal Charles does until uh, he gets back. And then pretty much after that, he's, he's just got two uh, young guys, uh, Wheaton and Fuller, who uh, who pretty much are never going to see the lineup. I don't, I don't think they're ever going to see the lineup, really. And then I love the Phillers Rivers and the Brady pick at, uh, at 9 and 10 because – like I said, Rivers starts hot and then fades, and of course Tom Brady's going to be consistent when he gets back. So I like that pick, but as far as us going to a keeper league, I don't really like those picks because neither one of them guys are going to be really keepers because they don't have much they don't have much uh, life left in their arms, in, in my opinion. And then he picked another couple of old guys with Gates and Witten. Um, so, for, especially with this being the keeper league. And whatnot. I mean, uh, I think he's got you know with the sharp guy and the Riddick, he's got some young guys. I'd, I'd love the Minnesota for his defense, but I, I, for me, really, it, it boiled down to the lack of wide receiver depth, um, and that's why I gave him a. And for this being a keeper league, he, he drafted a bunch of old guys, in my opinion. So that's uh, that's why I gave him a C plus as my grade. Okay, I, I tend to agree. Uh, Spencer Ware. I don't know if Jamal Charles is coming back. So that might be an okay pick. 
Uh, I was kind of happy that he picked uh, Le'Veon Bell, though, because I play him the first week, and I don't have to go against him. So I was kind of happy with that. <laughs> so, yep. All right, well, next we got Mr. Hacksaw himself, Mr. Sean Collins. Um, I picked this draft. Sean, I have to say, I, I, I think you drafted a solid, great team. <laughs> a couple of notes here, I, I do. I, I think you I think you had a really good draft. Um, of course, you had the first pick. Um, and then you already had Peterson. You could have kept Lesher keeping, but you didn't have to because you got the first pick. So you got Peterson. Um, a couple of things I want to say. You did draft Des Bryant as number two. I don't think that was the reach of nothing, but like I said, I'm going to talk on Des Bryant later. I don't think it's going to be the same Des Bryant. Um, number three, you took Hyde with San Francisco running back. Um, he's got a concussion right now, which you wouldn't have known that, but, I mean, he's still kind of questionable. Um, on down the line, I mean, the only other person I've seen that was kind of iffy to me, I'm not crazy about Chris Ivory. Um, that was, uh, I don't know, I just, I, I, I think that was kind of a reach that early, but that's just me. Um, and the pick that I really didn't like in your whole draft, which it was way down there, way down there, which was Steve Smith. Um, I don't think he's going to finish the season. I think he's just too old. I don't even understand why he's coming back. But um, and he talks too much. He gets on my nerves. He's always got something to say. But anyway, overall for your draft, I gave you. Um, I originally turned in on your draft. I said it was a B minus, but after I went over it and went through it, I'm gonna give you a, a B plus. I thought it was a very, 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 very solid draft. And one of the great things about your draft, eight or sixteen of your players were starters. Uh, I um, agree. Uh, the same thing that goes along with uh, Brandon's draft. I mean, the number one and two picks. That's hard to build a strategy around when you have so many good players leaving the board before you get a chance. So, uh, good sound strategy. Uh, next next draft we got to review is uh, the only woman in the league, um, old Darla. Uh, basically, my main complaint about Darla's draft was her lack of running back debt. Um, she's got C.J. Anderson, um which I don't think C.J. Anderson's going to be the starter the whole year. I think Devontae Booker's going to take that role um, pretty quickly. And then I feel like her biggest reach was obviously LeGarrette Blunt in the fifth round. He probably could have went a little later. Um, and I'm just not a believer in drafting Patriots running backs. I don't I, – I hate Bill Belichick and the way he, you know, uses his ground game. It's so unpredictable. So I just stay away from him. Um, Another a pick that I don't really agree with, which is surprising because, uh, you know, I'm an Alabama guy, but T.J. Yeldon. I feel like Chris Ivory, once once Jacksonville signed Chris Ivory, T.J. Yeldon, in my opinion, became undraftable because I think he's nothing more than a third down back now who may get some, you know, passes out of the, uh, the backfield, which would benefit you in maybe a PPR league, but he's not going to get any goal line carries. None of those, goal, you know, touchdown carries are going to him. So I just I feel like Yeldon is a player that you should have avoided and let somebody else take on that baggage. Um, the tight end depth I think is going to hurt her start off. Uh, she got Eifert, who's obviously I think going to miss anywhere from like six to eight weeks right now, and then she's got Ebron, who's dealing with like a an Achilles type injury, but I think he's going to be ready for week one, so she may be okay as far as that goes. Maybe one of her, my favorite picks that she made was Marvin Sanu in the 12th round. I feel like 
everybody, all the targets can't go to Julio, and Sanu is going to be the number two guy. And Julio gets, you know, nicked up so many times in the game where he misses like half the game or misses a week here and a week there. And I think Sanu can handle that load really easily. Um, so overall, I'm going to give her a B minus, and that's mainly because her wide receiver depth is, in my opinion, outstanding. I mean, she's got Julio Jones, Jordy Nelson, Dante Moncrief, and Emmanuel Sanders. So that's a good group of wide receivers. So just for that, those picks alone, I give her a B minus. I agree on the wide receivers. Uh, B minus, uh, I, I would say C minus. Wide receivers can only take you so far. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe keep thinking on next year getting the first or second pick. So. Right, I'm glad you did. Uh, you gave me an F minus. Pretty tough. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> pretty much the uh, next one we're going to talk about is uh, Bob Gable. He had the third round, uh, yeah, he had the third spot in the draft. And uh, I actually think he had a really solid draft. I'm not going to lie. He, he kept Gurley, and he, he had to make that difficult decision between Gurley and Jones, but I like it. And then he came back, and especially for keeper with Gurley, and he came back second round, got Jones, I mean, uh, got Aaron Rodgers. And then the next couple of picks, he, he he shored up his wide receiver spot when he got Jeffrey and he got Randall Cobb, and then he got went with a, a young running back in round five with Gordon, uh, Melvin Gordon, who's looked outstanding this preseason. Uh, uh, once again, I mean he had he did have a couple of the reaches on our uh, on our on our segment earlier with Josh Gordon and Victor Cruz, um, but if you look at his starting lineup with Rogers, Gurley, and, and and all that top to bottom. He's got Denver's defense, and he also has McKinnon, McKinnon as the uh, as a future keeper. I mean, he uh, to me he had a a pretty solid draft uh, for in all aspects in all aspects for this year and for next year, uh, and that's why I gave uh, I gave Bob a, a, a B minus or or I'll change it to a B. I think it was pretty good. Was that yeah? Uh, yeah, Sean, I agree. I would actually go B plus. Uh, a lot of Bob's picks weren't kind of like ooh and ah picks, but like at the end of the day, he kind of snuck up on a lot of people. So he's got a lot of solid starters. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. I, I think I think his team's going to be uh, pretty good this year. Oh yeah. And uh, so the uh, <clears throat> after Bob, the next person we're going to talk about, of course, is uh, <clears throat> my sibling, and uh, <laughs> he had a uh, he, he didn't get the guy he wanted in the first round. Thank you, Alex. But he he did end up with uh, Denard, DeAndre Hopkins, who of course he's going to be a target monster uh, in Houston's offense. Came back second round and got Ingram, who turned out to actually be a, a, a really good uh, fantasy star last year. Uh, the Watkins, I, I like the pick. It was I think for me it was a little bit of a, a, a reach, not really a reach, but I mean with his injury problems, I probably would not would have picked him. With but um, but I like the pick. Uh, he he got Latavius Murray. Uh, fourth round, and then he came back with Greg Olson, who's all, uh, you know, catching machine. Fifth round, he's and he's got Ryan Matthews sixth round, and of course the you know one of the best deals of the draft, he got Drew Brees in the seventh, who's going to put up just ridiculous, uh, ridiculous yardage. So from top to bottom for his for his draft, I, I think he did really well. He's got three solid starting running backs. Uh, he's definitely got one star wide receiver and a a, a star tight end and a star quarterback. So, I mean, and then he's got some younger guys down here with the, uh, the Coleman, Corey Coleman for Cleveland. He's got Arizona's defense. 
So I, I really liked his draft. I really did. And that's why I, uh, from top to bottom, for not just, you know, for, like I said, for this year and for future. And that's why, based on the strength of his running backs and that one powerful wide receiver, and like I said, I gave him a, a B-plus for this draft. I agree. Uh, it was a very solid draft. Uh, I'm a old-school guy. I still think running back should be the core of your team, uh, hence my draft. Uh, but uh, I agree, B-plus. All right, next guy we're going to go to is, um, this is my personal opinion, who I think had the best overall draft this year. Um, defending champion Paul Stringer. Um, obviously, he got to keep Odell Beckham at the 11th overall pick. And with a strategy that I completely abort every year, because I think it hurts the overall value of your team and drafting a tight end early, he did get Gronk in the second round, but he rebounded from that beautifully because he Gronk's obviously going to be the number one tight end if he stays healthy. But... Basically, he he went kind of running back heavy in the first couple rounds, so he got Brandon Cooks in the third round, which is, he's kind of like one of those boomer bust guys, but in an offense that's going to throw the ball a ton, he's probably going to boom more than he busts. Jeremy Hill um, is going to be his number one running back for right now, which is obviously going to get all the goal line carries, but I kind of tried to avoid those Cincinnati running backs because you never know which one's going to emerge. Um, basically, the next guy, he kind of stole right out from under me, Derrick Henry, who I think is going to be one of the best running backs in fantasy football this year. As I've stated, this is this is a man. We are in a boy's world. You know, We all live in Derrick Henry's world. So then to get Andrew Luck in the sixth round, I think. We didn't really talk about him in the steals earlier, but I think that that was a pretty good steal for Luck to follow all the way down to six. Indianapolis' defense is garbage. Andrew Luck is going to throw the ball a ton this year, and I think he's healthy, he's back, and he's going to put up elite numbers. And then another steal was Frank Gore in the seventh. People don't understand, but Frank Gore has not missed a football game since 2010. So we're going on six years where this man has played in every single game. And he was one of the, I believe he was a top, six or seven running back last year, and that was without Andrew Luck. So I think that Frank Gore picks up right where we Bray left off. He'll be in another elite running back. And what Paul Paul did good was with Beckham and Cooks, he was able to get good value from his wide receivers late in the round. Devin Funches, I'm huge on. I think Devin Funches is going to be better than Kelvin Benjamin, better than Ted Ginn. I think Funches will be the focal point of that Carolina offense. So due to the value that he got, from the beginning of the draft to the end of the draft, I gave Paul an A. Wow. You really like his draft? Uh, I wasn't too impressed. Uh, I'm going to – I won't say a grade, but I will not be surprised if he does not make the playoffs. Wow. All right. Well, not make the playoffs, but he got an A rating. Ryan, you're tough, buddy. I'm glad you didn't get mine. I probably wouldn't be in the league. <laughs> you just said, look, we're just going to do it with, you know – these many teams. Just get him on out of here. But anyway, next up, we're gonna, I'm going to go with my buddy, Mr. Matt Walker. I got his draft. And um, one thing I can say about Matt, he does his research. You can see by his work, he does his research. Um, I thought Matt had an awesome draft. The only thing I heard about his draft is it wasn't mine. Um, first, he got, I got, I think, the best guy in the NFL period, um, Antonio Brown. I don't think nobody can touch him. I think he just consistent player in the NFL. It doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's very consistent. Um, next, he got 
Mike Evans with Tampa Bay. And the thing about it is, Mike Evans is, is, is a big deal, but what makes him even a bigger deal is the relationship he has with Jameis Winston. Um, and Jameis Winston throws the ball. I mean, and like I said, he's going to throw it to Mike Evans, so I think that's a big deal. Um, third, you got Brandon Marshall. Not one of my favorite people, but he does what he needs to do. Um, the Matt Forte pick with the hamstring, I, I don't I don't think that's going to be a problem. But um, I kind of think that was a reach. Um, of course, the rest of it, when I go down, I can't really say anything about his 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 draft. Um, I mean, like I said, I wish I would have got Eli. I didn't think that um, I didn't think about Eli the way he did, and to take Eli at that position was um, to me was a good pick. There is one more pick I want to talk about though, the Sterling Shepherd. I think this guy's gonna be phenomenal um, with Eli, and I just think that he's gonna really really make a big difference um, on that team. So, but overall. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't even like looking at it because it looks so good. I, I gave him my A. And one of the things, like I said, that really impressed me when I looked at the draft that I graded is how many players on your team were actually starting. So when week one starts, how many people do you have starting? Out of all of his players, he had 19 of 16 of his players that will line up on the first week to play. So I thought that was pretty awesome. 19 of 16? Uh, I, I, Nine. Out of I mean, six. nine of six. Nine of six. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. I don't know why I got 19. Uh, I, I agree. I, I, I would say uh, A+. Uh, I'm going to say I think you had the uh, the best draft this year. Uh, not only do you have nine starters, you have very nine consistent starters. Um, so consistency, you did your research. Uh, you got a couple guys that will be next year, I think, uh, could possibly be some good keepers. Uh, I mean, every year you have a great draft. So I, I won't be surprised if you don't win it this year. Okay. All right. I don't well, know if I go that far. I ain't gonna say he'll win it. I just said he had a great draft. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna you, say that. You either. also drafted Christian Michael in the third round, so your opinion doesn't really count. I gave you. <laughs> I, I gave you. Hey, come on. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'm gonna end this segment. With God, who I can't I think, wait. I'm probably gonna get a D. Nah. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna end this segment with who I personally think had the best draft. And, and and remember everybody, this is this is just a matter of opinion. I mean, don't take any of this to heart. We're just having fun with this since ESPN decided to shaft us of the grades. But uh, uh, top to bottom, I don't see how Alex Boozer did not have the best draft. I mean, really, for for this being a keeper league, I mean, not only does he have great starters. First, he got Lamar Miller. Uh, they're all young. He, he, Lamar Miller, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen. Uh, Jeremy Lankford, who's you know starting running back, taking Matt Forte's place. I think he's gonna he's gonna do great. He's got Michael Floyd, and then and he's got Cody uh, Cody Fleener, who's in a, of course a pass happy offense for for tight end. I mean, if if you don't think he's gonna do good in that offense, look what Benjamin Watson did, and he's like thirty five. So uh, from top to bottom, I, uh, he got Carson Palmer, who's a great quarterback, and then to back it up, he got Mariota for a fu- for a future pit uh, for for a keeper or whatever. Uh, top to bottom, I mean, I really, just looking at it, I was amazed at it. I don't think he has hardly anybody over the age of, like, 25, 26. I mean, with the exception of, you know, a couple old geezers like Paul, you know, like Carson Palmer and uh, and Macklin, who I think is, like, 28. I mean, really, they all start. They all put up good numbers. Uh, you know, top to bottom, Alex, I, I mean, I, I originally gave him an A, but now, now, th- now looking at it, really looking at it again, I mean, I, I have to give him an A+. Plus. I mean, I just I, I don't see how you can argue 
with any of his picks in in his draft. But besides maybe the Macklin one, uh, really, that's about the only one that I think anybody can really object to. But other than that, I mean, it was a fabulous draft in my book. For for this being a keeper league, absolute fab, fabulous draft. Yeah, I, I agree. A A plus. I think he had the second draft, kind of pretty close to Matt. Uh, he's come a long way. Um, past couple years, uh, every year he drafts a little better, a little better. Uh, I actually was quite angry with him this year because he kept taking players that were I was gonna I was gonna take. Me too. So yeah. It was like he was in my head. So uh, he had a, a very solid draft. Yeah. All right, soft side. Well, there's your draft grades. So guys, like I said, if, if you if you got any problem with your draft grades and you want to come on here and talk to us next week and let us know what you thought about them and you don't like what we gave you, let us hear from you. But uh, with that said, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. We got a guest on the call. He's been very vocal, very harsh on the draft um, grades overall. Like I said, I'm glad he didn't have anything to say about mine. Um, so, Mr. Ryan Boris, it's your time. It's your floor. We're going to interview Mr. Ryan. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is some of the steals of his draft. And we're going to let um, Matt talk about that. Um, well, basically, we since we covered steals and reaches earlier in the podcast, we're going to just kind of, Ryan basically gave all of his opinions in. So we're going to go ahead and jump straight into, you know, Ryan's personal thoughts, his theory in his draft. And we're just going to kind of, you know, get a little insight from him as to what he thought of his draft and why he took the direction he took. All right. Thank you. Uh, As I said this year, I'm old school. So I believe that the core of your team should be running backs. And I was actually quite happy uh, with my draft this year with uh, running back. Uh, My basically two starting running backs and a lot of my flex. David Johnson, uh, Shady McCoy, uh, with Carlos Williams gone, uh, this guy is going to be a stud this year. Uh, and then Thomas Rawls, who I have a lot of faith in. I hope Christine Michael doesn't take over. Uh, but I got him, uh, I think, as a steal in like the fifth or sixth round. So I was quite happy with that. Uh, a lot of my drafts I went this year with uh, uh, ADP. Uh, I went on that because – Consistency, a lot of people draft for a particular reason. Uh, so there was a couple people that I really wanted this year, which I'm happy. One of the most I'm happy with this year, I think, is uh, Kevin White. Uh, he didn't get to play last year because he had a shin injury. Uh, dude was a stud at West Virginia. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, he's just very injury prone. Uh, they lost Martellus Bennett. So I think Kevin White is going to get a lot of targets this year. The dude's like 6'3", 220 pounds, good speed, so I'm, I'm happy with that pick. Uh, overall, I think this was one of my best drafts I've had. So go ahead, kill me. What do you got to say? <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start off. Um, I, when I, like a few years ago, I used to be kind of running back heavy, but with the way the league has evolved, um, I'm, I'm kind of evolving with the league. Um, I hate that every team basically has a running back by committee. Uh, running backs are the most fragile position in the league. So I'm kind of reverse. Um, I'm kind of a wide receiver first guy. So as you can tell by my last few years, I I've, go I've really wide receiver heavy and then use the waiver wire to, to get my running backs later. Um, 
So overall, I, I do really love David Johnson, and I really love LaShawn McCoy, if, especially McCoy. If McCoy can stay healthy, I feel like he could be one of the best running backs in the league this year. Um, the Thomas Rawls pick, uh, like I said earlier about the Seahawks offense, I'm not big on that offense this year. I think that that offensive line is absolute garbage, and I just feel like the Seahawks are, are just a downward spiral, and they're just not going to be nowhere near what they were last year. I love the Eric Decker pick, but I love Eric Decker as a wide receiver too. I don't, I don't like Eric Decker as to be my number one wide receiver. So I feel like maybe the Wilson you know, pick going in the third round and Rawls in the fourth round, I feel like you lost out on some key wide receivers that you could have got. Um, and as far as Kevin White goes, he could be a number one wide receiver, and he could be you know, a top ten wide receiver. He's got the size and the potential, but we just don't know. Um, there's, there's no proof. There's nothing. He played in, uh, you know, at West Virginia and up in the Big Ten, where there's no defense. So there's, to me, there's just no track record of what Kevin White can do in the NFL. And for to have that risk come in and be your your starting wide receiver right away with Jay Cutler, who is we can talk about him another day. But um, I just feel like I love the Kevin White pick, and I love the round you got him in because I was about to get him. <laughs> the next pick after you, I just don't like Kevin White as somebody who I have to start week one. That's somebody I kind of wanted to watch the first couple weeks. Um, other than that, the Delaney Walker and Travis Kelsey are two very dependable tight ends. So I feel like those that's kind of going to help you out as far as your lack of wide receiver goes because you can basically use one of those as your flex guys and, and kind of basically have a third wide receiver. So overall, um, I love Jordan, you know, Jordan Howard late in the draft. I love Kamar Aiken. I love and hate you because you stole Josh Doxson from me. Um, Washington drafted Josh Doxson in the first round for a reason. A lot of people don't know who Josh Doxson is. Josh Doxson is going to be a machine. I think he's going to be hurt for like the first three or four weeks, maybe even five or six. But Josh Doxson in the 13th round is somebody that would probably be on your roster every year. This guy is going to be the number one receiver in Washington. So overall, I think the lack of wide receiver depth is going to hurt you. Um, so overall, I went with a B. Yeah, well, pretty much since Will's on mute there, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just chime in real quick and just say that mine's going to be short and sweet. I loved your first three picks. I really do. I, I agree with you with McCoy. I think he's going to be a, uh, I think he is going to be a, a monster now that Carlos Williams is gone. And I do love Russell Wilson if he can keep that hot streak he had going last year. But I, I have to agree with Matt. The next three, I don't, I, I, I don't particularly uh, really, really like that much. Uh, <laughs> like I, you know, Matt explained that pretty much to the T. And then the next three: Walker, Seattle's defense, and Kelsey. I love those three. Uh, not a big Tory Smith fan. And then of course, uh, I loved your uh, late round picks. Uh, you got great value there. Um, so. I mean, but but like Matt, based on that uh, the lack of wide receiver <laughs> wide receiver depth, um, I, I was going to give you a, a B minus. Right. Well, when I look at the draft, one thing I do want to note: um, everybody know how I feel about um, Rawls for the Seahawks. If you look at the depth chart for Seattle right now, they are listing Christian Michael over him. So um, that's because he's hurt. My pre- my prediction was that you know by the third week. 
Christian Michael would take the starting position. But I mean, anyway, so um, I don't like that pick because, like I said, I just I just don't know. I think that was too early to take him, but I understand. But I'm gonna say one thing about your draft. It's one pick that I really really like. I think he's a great sleeper. Um, I've always liked him in the NFL. Nobody talks about him because he played for the. Um, he, he plays for C. I'm in San Francisco, and people just don't. I don't know. I guess the team's got too much going on. But I really like the Smith pick. I really, really, really like the Smith pick. I think he's a great sleeper. I think he's gonna have a really, really, really good year. I do. I think he's gonna have an awesome year, and I think people are really, really gonna be surprised about him. I'm not gonna grade the draft because they gave you a lot better grade than I would have given you, and I didn't do a whole lot of research on your draft. So I'm just gonna go with what they gave you. But um. Like I said, I do like Smith, and just watch out for Rawls because he might be sitting on the bench, so you might want to go, you know, start looking for another running back. Yeah. So, All right. so pretty, <laughs> so pretty much, uh, I I just have one question for you, and that is, uh, you you drafted the first defense off the board, of course, which you know that's that's no problem, but you drafted the first defense off the board three rounds before any other defense was picked. So, uh, just if, if you care to explain a little bit of of you know what was your thinking behind getting Seattle in that eighth round? Uh, well, uh, by the eighth round, I felt I had a, a pretty solid team built up. Uh, Seattle's uh, average ADP, I think, was like uh, 92. Uh, so I felt by the time it got back around to me that either they might be gone and I really wanted them because, I mean, the, Le- the Legion of Boom, uh, I don't think Denver's defense uh, is going to be good this year. I know they got Von Miller, but they lost two great uh, linebackers. Uh, they went to Chicago. So I didn't go with Denver, even though they were ranked number one by ESPN. Uh, I took Seattle, and after that, I just went for keepers. So. Yeah. The- Can I ask a question? Was Smith on your yes. on your draft board? Yes, he was. Oh, uh, sure. Actually, uh, that's why I felt very uh, comfortable with my draft is because I got pretty much everyone I wanted except Lamar Miller and Keenan Allen. Uh, I I had a draft board what round I was going to go, and I, I stuck with it. And I was very happy that I got Eric Decker uh, in his position because uh, it was probably like 20 uh, after his ADP. I am weak with wide receivers, kind of. Uh, I'm weak every year with wide receivers. Uh, so this year I went with consistency. Uh, so uh, Eric Decker, he's consistent. Uh, Torrey Smith, I think, is going to have a great year. Uh, he's pretty much the only guy to throw to. Kamar Aiken, uh, I'm happy with. Uh, Kevin White, I think I took a gamble on. But, uh, and I, and sorry, Matt, I, I wanted Josh Doxson. <laughs> yeah, I'll jump back to the defense real quick. Um, basically, um, see, if Seattle's defense's ADP is 92, that's basically because America's dumb. Um, Here's my problem with defenses is so the the difference between the number one defense last year and the number 13th defense, which most teams only carry one defense, so there should always, you know, we'll just go with the 13th because that's the first defense that somebody wouldn't carry, was 33 points for the total year. So you're talking about an average of two and a half points per week that you're getting for having the number one defense instead of the 13th ranked defense. And that is my biggest problem is that anybody who takes a defense before the 15th round, in my opinion, is 
it's just almost kind of like a, a hate. It sounds bad, but like a foolish decision because to me, the eighth round is not worth two and a half points per week when I can when there's a lot more talent on the board. So that that's just my theory on on draft and defenses in general. I'm a defense streamer, so I'm gonna stream defenses from week to week most of the time, anyways. All right. Well, with that said, um, first off, Ryan, we just want to say thank you, man. You were you were awesome. I mean, the fact that I'm. You know what I'm most shocked about you being on the call? It's the fact that all of us sit here and prepare and got all of our paper and our notes and everything, and it's almost like you got all that sitting in front of you. You were so on on cue and on page. So, um, dude, um, it, it, it was awesome. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. You can come back anytime you want. You were an awesome guest, and really, you really helped out the call, and you were a big benefit today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it, Ron, man. Yeah, thanks. I had a great time. All right. All right, guys, we're going to get ready to get out of here. Anything else from um, you, Sean, or Matt? No, not much. Good luck, to it, man. Good luck to everybody week one. Thanks again, Ron, for joining us. Like Will said, you're more than welcome to join us any week. Um, you were a pleasure to have this week. Game day tomorrow, baby. All right, with that said, oh, yeah. this is Overdrive, and we out.